All right, and we are live. Welcome back to another episode of From College to Combine. I am your host, Michael Sicoli, and with me is the microphone-wielding Riley Millette. How are you doing today, Riley? Good. You look like an absolute child right now. Everyone that is not looking at this on a video format should 100% check it out on, on YouTube because... I thought the hat made me look older. What's that? I thought the hat would make me look older. Make you look when it's backwards? No, maybe yeah. if it was forward, maybe you know. We'll try, try forward. Try, try forward. All right, here we go. I don't think I look good like that, but you know, I don't think you. I I think you look better with the hat backwards, but I think you look older this way. I think you look older with it in front. So it's either like you choose to be sixteen, or you chose to be like thirty, and you know, not oh, pushing yeah, prospects. Yeah. You just you're just a curmudgeon. This is the style now. Yeah, it's, it's definitely possible. I, I am I am a curmudgeon, and in curmudgeon fashion, I'm going to get this immediately back on track. Welcome back, everybody, uh, to our final show before the draft taking place tomorrow. So with that, we have a couple of important announcements. One, a lot of live shows you should be checking out, a lot of options you have, and the two that you should 100 be checking out. I know for Frequency's sake is doing a live show at... I believe uh, on Blake on the on the name, but one of the best places in the Quad City. So definitely check them out there. And I personally will be hosting the IDP guys show tomorrow with Club Fantasy. Shout out to my guy Joe Zola over there. Excited to host with him from seven thirty to midnight, or whenever the first round ends. Uh, we, you know, we're gonna be there breaking down the draft, every single pick as it goes. Live reactions. We're gonna have a ro- you know a whole bunch of guests pop in. It's gonna be a ball. So every you know a lot of different orgs involved in a lot, a lot of preparations going into it. Very excited to be there. Definitely check it out tomorrow, seven thirty Eastern. And not too late as well. Rookie Hub, the the Rookie Hub, the Rookie Mag on IDP guys. Get yourself a uh, subscription. Profiles on every player you could possibly ask for, offense and defense. Well worth it because. You know, as I was doing my mock draft and just everything that I've done, really helpful to have a consistent one-stop source for all of it. But that's all I have on that front. Riley, you ready to get into the news of the week? Yeah, let's get into the breaking news that just broke five minutes ago from Ian Rappaport. What just broke five minutes ago? Did I miss uh, something? The Cardinals picked up Kyler's fifth-year option. Kyler's fifth-year option. Uh, yeah. Surprise, they were probably going to do that um, no matter what, even if they were planning on trading him. Um, but yeah, it kind of, it kind of gives some, some clarity on the situation. I never assumed he would be traded. It, it's seemed that it's been trending that way for the last week or so, but that is noteworthy. Yeah. And the big thing with 50 options right now is that they're all, they're due by May 2nd. So a lot of teams are making these decisions right now. This is kind of, you know, as last minute as it gets and Kyler's not alone. The Jets exercised on Quentin Williams, Montez Sweat got a fit, got his fifth year extension. So did Devin White, TJ Hawkinson. Um, and I believe I'm missing a name, uh, but no, I, I guess not. But those, those names all got their fifth-year options. They will all be under contract for the next two years. Daniel Jones is a name to watch out for. He's that someone who is fifth-year eligible. He is. It's been talked about, whispered about the entire offseason. The Giants have not made that decision yet. I'll be very interested to see if they exercise that option by May 2nd. Wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. I, 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 lean, I don't think they will either. But it's definitely something that bears watching out. So, 
Another the the other big news, obviously, was the Melvin Gordon news that dropped yesterday. Well, Melvin Gordon and the Broncos reached a one-year deal worth what was it, four or five million dollars, Riley? Five million. Five million dollars for Melvin Gordon to return to the Broncos, where he spent his 2021 season, put up over 900 yards and eight touchdowns, was pretty good for them. You know, very effective. You know, for real life. And while this is this has got to be, you know, a, a kick in the pants for, in, in the wrong way for Javante Williams owners, as you know, you and I can both speak to, to an extent. Yeah. I mean, it's my, my first reaction is all, it, it's the same whenever I have a guy who, you know, gets some competition added to his position room is that at the end of the day, he'll be fine. Um, it, it, it does lower his ceiling, but I, I'm still, I'm still confident in, in Javante that he'll eventually take over that backfield. I mean, um, although Melvin Gordon has been, pretty steady in terms of injury in the last couple of years. Um, he is getting up there in age, um, not to prey on his downfall or anything, but that is just, you know, the nature of fantasy football. Yeah. I mean, he's turning, he's 29 years old. It's already getting up. I, at this point in the off season, this is as good as you could possibly hope for as a Melvin Gordon owner. I agree with you with Javante Williams on that side where Javante Williams is probably a buy right now in dynasty for anyone overreacting. The ceiling is now closer to the RV11 range as opposed to, you know, top five, top three that you were hoping. But it's still something that bears watching out. You know, Melvin Gordon, the deal is $5 million. The base salary is two and a half. So it's a very incentive-heavy deal, but it's a one-year deal. So it's something that gets built in. And I'm very interested in seeing how Melvin Gordon fits because this is now a different system. You know, it's Nathaniel Hackett running, you know, running the show. It's not uh, – it's not – Oh wow, I'm blanking. Pat Shermer as uh, as the offensive coordinator. It's Nathaniel Hackett running it. So, I uh, you know, do you expect an AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones type of split? Uh yeah, no, I I I, I totally do. And I mentioned earlier that I think Javante will be the Aaron Jones of that of that backfield split. Not in terms of the type of player, just in terms of that the fact that Javante is the better player. I think he gets most of the work because he's the better player, and. Melvin Gordon will come in and clean up the scraps like AJ Dillon did for Aaron Jones. That's not what happened though. Like in terms of yes, I I completely agree. Javante Williams is the better player, but AJ Dillon was not cleaning up the scraps. He was kind he wasn't of cleaning the way. Scraps, but Aaron Jones got the a lot of important work. He got some receiving down work and he got some goal line. Yes, work. he got the he got the receiving down work and he got some goal line work. The problem is if that gets split, and it, it all depends on how if this Broncos offense takes off and scoring left, right, and center averaging, you know, what, 27 a week. If that happens, you know, there's room for both of them. They're both going to be very good for fantasy. And I don't know. I We'll see. We'll see where Melvin Gordon goes in drafts. But for zero RB drafts, that's – he's going to be probably a real target for me in the later rounds. But we can move on to another, uh, another piece of news. Nothing huge for fantasy, but a little bit clarifying for the draft. The Jaguars extended Cam Robinson three years. I believe it was fifty-four million dollars. Gave him the bag, and you know, for fantasy, it's status quo. It's a nice little. It's a. It's nice to have a left tackle blocking for Trevor Lawrence. He's not amazing, but he's good enough. And all this means to me is that Akeem Akwano is pretty much off the board for one hundred and one, which I wasn't anticipating. But uh, you know, I I think this confirms it, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're going to go edge rusher at number one, definitely. Yep, completely agree. And on other news, and just as ground-shaking, 
The Eagles are trying to shop Jalen Rager. That's I don't even I don't even know why you put this on here. Oh, I, I put it in just so it's just just to laugh. Nobody's gonna trade for Rager. If they do, it's a seventh. He won't be anything when he gets somewhere else. Good. All right, yeah, cool. Let's move on. I, I missed that piece of news. I just thought it was funny and everyone should enjoy bringing up Jalen Rieger, you know? I, I It's just good memories for all those TCU truthers. So, other news. The Giants have been shopping not just Kadarius Tony, which has been, you know, the big talk of the week, but also Darius Slater. Now, I, I'm, on the, I'm on the record as a, as a known Kadarius Tony, uh, Tony, you know, anti-hater, whatever you want to call it. Don't think he's all that. Don't think he's that good. Off-field problems existed before. They're coming up now. But he did also attend uh, voluntary workouts. That's a good step in the right direction for him. The reports have been weird. What have you heard from the Gary-Sony front? Not a whole lot. I mean, I it's been pretty tight-lipped about that situation. And at, at this point, I'll wait and see what happens at workouts. And honestly, I'll wait and see what happens with the Giants draft. And basically... Uh, whoever they take with their day one and two selections will be telling of what they plan to do with that, which um, it's which is obviously important for Kadarius Tony's stock. Yeah, I uh, it would obviously be a very bad look for him to flame out after just one year, especially with someone with the off field concerns that he has. You know, I, I I think he's on the roster week one. I can't imagine he actually gets traded. That seems to be where the reports are trending, and. <laughs> After reports that the Giants wanted a haul for him, I don't think anyone's paying a haul, an arm, and a leg for Kadarius Tony. So Darius Lane, I am a little bit interested in. I think Darius Lane does have some juice, and he just has really been buried on the Giants. But, you know, that's the type of deal I don't see them making because he's a very cheap option, a very good depth piece to have. So, you know, it's we'll see, you'll see as uh, news continues to evolve there. But other news, Darren Waller. Uh, that was that was you know there's some rumors ever since Devontae Adams came over that Darren Waller was going to get traded you know between the cap between the injuries last season and just where does he fit in this depth chart of target and passing that was quickly put to bed by Derek Carr on social media who promptly said no no chance to Darren Waller moving on do is this does this firmly close the door for you as well in those rumors I mean I, I guess I I wouldn't be totally shocked if they ended up trading Darren Waller. I mean if we remember the beginning of last season we said Darren Waller is going to get 18 targets a game and he did get 18 targets and or not maybe not exactly 18 but crap in one game first game and then he dealt with injuries and inconsistency for the rest of the year. Hunter Renfro took over and now they obviously have Devonte Adams and they got Josh Jacobs more involved in the uh, receiving game. So if Darren, if they moved on from Darren Waller, I wouldn't be totally shocked. But again, at this point, based on how little evidence we have of a potential trade, I would put it at maybe a 5% chance that he's not on their roster week one. Yeah. I, I would be shocked after this kind of public statement. I think it's, it would be a horrific look for the organization and dark are They need to keep happy that they pay the man. So yeah, I, th- I think he stays on the roster. I would have thought he would have been a real trade candidate, but I don't think Derek Carr wants to go anywhere. Something to note as well, that Darren Waller's rise and ascension, the breakout, that came partially because John Gruden made him his pet project. John Gruden could not speak highly enough for Darren Waller. He got him on the field. He got all that happening. We now have Josh McDaniels coming in. That's a new system. We have Devontae Adams coming in. You have Hunter Renfro ascending. You have the up-and-coming Brian Edwards. And there's just a lot of names that 
I'm glad. I'm so happy you didn't interrupt me. But uh, uh I'm, the... done, I'm done commenting on on the Brian. <laughs> I'm really, no. I'm really done with it. Fair enough. But it's fair. It's also it's it's gonna be interesting. Interesting to see where Darren Waller fits in this offense. I'm very curious to see how fantasy people, uh, fantasy drafters are gonna be approaching him come draft day for redraft and all those formats. Where I don't know. And, you know, he was a third round pick. Now he's probably hovering around that sixth round range. I'm probably still hands off, but you know, time will tell on that. The other news, of course, is out of Cincinnati. T. Higgins is going to miss the rest of offseason workouts. He's still expected to be ready for preseason. I start, you know, putting some red flags out if he starts missing those um, those workouts, but I also wouldn't be surprised. He suffered a torn labrum at the end of the season, had surgery a month or two ago to deal with that. So you know, something to monitor as camp approaches. Nothing to raise the alarm about now, but you know, some you know that's that's a genuinely painful injury to come back from. Any concerns on that front? You just want to keep going. Um, I mean, I'm as with any injury, I'm I'm not concerned until um, players start start missing at real time or. You know, the, there is reports that there's a real risk of re-injury, um, which with with a labrum, it's kind of tricky like that. But we'll wait and see. Yeah, it, it doesn't change how I'm going to draft him if that's if that means anything. Yeah, and on the same subject of injury, Elijah Mitchell of the 49ers, breakout running back of 2021, had a cleanup on his knee this offseason. Now he was someone that you know he was fighting through things at the end of the year, and this is something like. I, I, I think you might not think as, it as noteworthy, but this is the type of thing that I'm just, I have a gut feeling is going to surface in August where all of a sudden something's flaring up. We're going to, you know, dig through our reports and this happened in the off season. I don't know. I, this is, this is fairly procedure. You know, this has happened before running backs get this, but you know, for a sophomore year running back, you know, who's just had one year, I end with the history of injury that he had and, Hell, even the 49ers. I am. I, this is this is something I do want to watch out for. This is this is just as concerning to me as the torn labrum somehow for T. Higgins. I mean, uh, I was never fully on the Elijah Mitchell train to begin with. He, he was Neither a, was I. And, and he he definitely flashed, but um, I'm I'm always wary of of guys who you know six sixth round pick I believe he was, and you know he walks into the very you know cushy san francisco run system and he you know tears the cover off the ball and you know now he's got injury concerns i mean it's uh it's an avenue i've been down with raheem oster and i'm now very wary of it ever since so it's something to watch um i probably wasn't going to be drafting him anyway and this is only gonna uh you know kind of make that worse but you know uh it's it's still early in the process we'll see how it turns out and keeping it in for uh, in San Francisco, Debo Samuel, the trade updates. Obviously, that's been raging through the week. We talked on, about it on the show last week. Just a final. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk on talk about it a little bit later when we get to some hot takes about the draft. But anything new on the Debo Samuel front you want to bring up, Riley? I mean, not particularly. We we were talking about uh, potential trades earlier, but we'll also get to that a little bit later. Absolutely. And I will go into our last piece of news. This is something I forced on the doc. Shout out to Bilal Powell. As a New York bound, as a New York born person and constantly surrounded by Jet fans, 
Bilal Powell has a special place in the community. Very good guy. Very well respected. A good player when he was on the field. And I'm just happy that he was able to sign his one-day contract, retire as a Jet. Very nice story to a guy that I haven't heard the name from in a while. But that is our final bit from the news issue. I can see you shaking your head as I, I was talk about Bilal Powell. I hadn't even heard about that. It's... That's oh, so you just saw a Jets legend pop good, up on the screen, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, good for him, I guess. No, rude. Rude and dismissive. But going to our second segment, we're going to bring up a Smoke and Fire draft edition. Yeah, I should have teased that at the front of the show, but we've done Smoke and Fire before, but we are now one day out from the draft. There is a ton of misinformation and rumors swirling all about. So... Let's let, let, let's start with let's start with the Giants. All right, recent reports are saying that the Giants are interested in trading out of seven. Now, this is something I have heard from almost every team in this draft because a lot of teams try to trade back. This draft class is not all that. There are tiers everywhere, and there's a lot of teams with multiple first round picks. I think the Giants are totally possible trading out of seven. I don't. I wouldn't project it as that, but I think that's somewhere where a rebuilding team could try to move back. I view the Texans at 13 as a lock to move back. That's someone that's a pain to mock because I'm fairly confident Houston's not making that pick. But Riley, what are your what are your thoughts on the whole trading back system of the draft right now? I would put the Saints as the most likely team to trade up into this spot. They are heavy, heavily invested in getting an offensive tackle in this class, and trading up to the seventh overall pick would all but guarantee you one of the top three or four tackles in this class. Equanu um, and Evan Neal will be gone at that point, but you could easily land Charles Cross at that um, at that spot so long as, uh, depending on what the Carolina Panthers do, who could also uh, trade out of their spot since they have little to no capital in this draft. Um, and the Giants themselves, who have one second, two thirds, you know, not a whole lot of, of capital to go around. And for a team with so many needs, it would make sense uh, to straight out of one of those picks to a team that's willing to pay up. So, yes, I would I would believe that they're willing to trade out of that pick. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think a lot of people are going to be looking for that in this year's class. Another name to watch, you know, Thursday you're talking about that, probably not going to be a day one name because George Pickens out of Georgia, the wide receiver that I personally like a lot, I think Raleigh also does, has been sliding and this adds up. This is a little bit more fire to me and I, I don't like it, but uh, the report is that he's been sliding to deeper part of day two. If he, I'd see a world, he could slip to day three at this rate by the talks I'm hearing. It's also the, you know, it is the weakest smoke screens, but we've been hearing it for a while with George Pickens that there's some attitude concerns. There's some interview concerns where he's not popping off in those areas. And those are things that we have no, we have no way of checking. So it, it could to- it's kind of relying on the faith of the reporting we're hearing and whether they're properly evaluating what they're hearing or not. But it's it's a shame, but it's also something that was a worry at the beginning of the pre-draft process. And when you kind of connect those dots along the way, I do put a little bit of stock in it. What do you what do you make of the George Bacon situation? I think I put less stock in it than you do. I'm kind of halfway between smoke and fire on this one. Uh, I've kind of taken everything I knew about reporting around the NFL draft at this time of the year and thrown it out the window. I almost don't even listen to it. Um, I, case in point, the 49ers last year, no one ever, everyone swore they knew what they were doing and, and no one, no one knew what they were doing. 
So oh, someone, I, someone knew something, Riley. Someone, someone knew God, that they weren't taking so, Mac Jones. So smart. You're so smart. Someone, someone, someone said that they weren't taking Mac Jones, but that's fine. Yeah, I believed the reporting, and I was wrong. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna believe that a a good player who has been touted as a good player went to a good school, uh, had a decent amount of production, even though he has injury history. Um, I I do put a little bit of stock into into uh, his interview process, but I'm not gonna sit here and believe that that's the reason he might fall out of day two. So um, I I would put him as most likely he's going in the second round. Um, if he went at the top of the third, I wouldn't be entirely surprised, but I would be pretty shocked if he went all the way to the bottom of day two. Let me phrase it to you like this. Does he have a higher chance of going the fourth round or the first round? I think the it's back of the first round with, I don't know, maybe, you know, the chiefs Packers, you know, someone trading up into 32 or even the Lions sitting pretty and taking him there. I think or it's slipping to the that he slips to the fourth purely because of the injury. And, and nothing else. I mean, we've seen we've seen plenty of guys fall because of uh, potential injuries. Like Jeremiah Wusukoromora uh, fell out of the first round. I thought he was a great player. Uh, he fell out of the first round because of injury concerns, and he's been a pretty good player for the Browns ever since. So, um, if if he falls, that'll be the reason. I don't think he does. Yep, I I, I would agree that it would be closer to round four. I think he, I think it's a scary. You know, possibility. I do think he'll be taken on in that third round range. I don't. I, I think he has kind of talked himself out of date uh, around two. But we could also move on to the Falcons. Kind of a interesting situation for the Falcons, where a lot. You know, they could go a lot of different situations. They need an edge rusher. They could use Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame, but they could also use a quarterback. And I talked about. We talked about on our mock show last week. I think you had them giving. You had them taking Jermaine Johnson or. Uh, no, not Jermaine Johnson, but an edge rusher. You had them taking an edge rusher, and I had them taking, I believe it was Kyle Hamilton. Now, since a week later, I've dove into a lot more uh, a lot more information. More things have come to light. I have since switched that pick to Malik Willis out of Liberty. This was before I saw this report, by the way. This was not solely based on this. But this is, you know, this is their GM saying it in their pre-draft process. Obviously, they're going to add somebody. They're not entering the year with Marcus Mariota and Felipe Franks. That that would make any user not go to the game despite an awesome stadium in Atlanta. So I I, I do put stock into, yes, they're obviously going to come out of this class with a quarterback, and I do think they use number eight to do it. I don't think so. I don't I don't think this is the class that the Falcons, if they identify their guy and based on, um, you know, Arthur Smith's uh, past quarterbacks and the fact that he's bringing in Marcus Mariota, Malik Willis seems like the guy that they would bring in. Um, I they they just have too many other needs. They have a decent amount of capital later in the rounds that uh, we're gonna see. We're probably gonna see some uh, quarterbacks in this class fall. Like I'll get to it later, but I I don't think very many of these quarterbacks go super high in the draft. So uh, they have two second round picks. If uh, Sam Howell or a maybe Matt Corral or Desmond Ritter fall to them in the second round, I can see the Falcons taking one of them. But uh, when there's going to be elite edge rushers on the board, like Jermaine Johnson, maybe an elite offensive tackle is on the board at number eight, I can't imagine they pass on either, either of those options. I would agree. I have pretty much all the top-tier edge and tackle prospects off the board in my recent – in my mock, my final box coming out tomorrow as well. Stay tuned. Follow me. 
on Twitter to uh, to check that out. Just look up my name. It's wonderful. But uh, I personally, you know, if, if Charles Cross is the only one on the board, which of all the top edge rushers, I have those guys going before. I have, what's it called? I have those edge rushers going before. I have all the other offensive tackles being taken by, you know, the Giants at seven and before that. Do they take Charles Cross? I think they take Malik Willis. I don't know. It's it. Every rebuild starts with you know taking sure not not you're you're taking your guys for the future. If they identify Malik Willis as their franchise QB, they cannot pass on him. But that's that's you know whether that's true or not. I just I I do view it as a good scheme fit. Somebody that can move, can operate that system, the play action better than Matt Ryan could. And with Mariota in town, he can take all the time he needs. So, final thing I want to bring up, I added to the show doc late because it's been a big discussion today, this week, just because people want to go crazy with it. Who is going number one, Riley? Aiden Hutchinson, number one. That is correct. Aiden Hutchinson, number one. Because all of a sudden, Trevon Walker shot himself to number one on the board. And then, I don't know if you followed Twitter earlier today, but then uh, Kayvon Thibodeau got himself up there for a bit. And then Akeem Kwanu got himself up there until Cam Robinson. It just speaks to the volatility of this class but i also agree it's still gonna be hutchinson i do not care what vegas is saying in this instant that javon walker could be that guy i refuse to believe a guy with nine and a half sacks is going number one overall uh nine and a half career sacks mind you six and a half in 2021 i just i choose that i i I do not believe that's the case i think they'll stick with hutchinson i think it's all final week smokescreen but people want to give it uh, people want to give it attention and I will also give it attention because I have, <laughs> I can't, I can't hold myself back. Okay, so let's jump into our third and final segment of the day. Twenty-five minutes in, we're we are rolling, crushing it, Riley. You know your your voice; it sounds more melodious than normal. You know, I tried. It's the microphone. Is it the microphone? I turned it on this week. Oh, you turned. I, I, every, every time I try to banter you with you, Riley, you know, I regret it. I, 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 I do, you. you know. You will not out-banter me a single time. Try me. Yeah, I will, because we're going to go into bold takes, and I'm sure we're going to disagree with each other on this. Bold takes, always a fun thing to do with the draft, because they tend to be right. Because we don't know what we're doing. And I'm not talking about us two, I'm talking about the entire industry, because everyone gets this wrong. So the crazy, the inexplicable becomes totally possible. And let's start. Let's go right off the bat. I'm going to kick it off. We're each going to go and give three bold takes about what could happen tomorrow night. And I'm I'm, I'm going to kick us off. I'm going to say the Jets do a mid-draft day trade. They trade number 10. They trade number 38 for Debo Samuel, a very similar price to what the, uh, what's it called, from what the Packers got from the Raiders for Devontae Adams. The market goes as it as it you know as it wants to, and I think that's the deal that gets done on draft day. I I wouldn't really rule that out out of question. I I just don't think they trade Debo. Honestly, I think Debo is staying. I think they'll work it out. Um, the only reason uh, Debo rose to the prominent role he was in is not because he played running back. It's because he was able to uh, be schemed into space by Kyle Shanahan. And I think once, um, you know, the two sides can meet at length and kind of discuss the contract situation, I think uh, this will kind of simmer down. And I, I believe Debo Samuel is a 49. 
Yeah, I, I it's it's tough because John Lynch obviously went out and you know said everything in the right direction of extending Debo. We want him here and all that. Debo has kind of stayed on the mysterious side of it on social media, but you know, in terms of bold takes, I think the Jets are desperate to find someone, and they're either going to take your wide receiver at ten, or they could do it in the second round. I've tilted them taking one at ten. It's either Garrett Wilson or Debo Samuel, and I think one of those things is going to come true uh, Thursday night. Can so. I get in, can I get into one of my bold takes because it's directly no. contingent on on the the one you just said? Please. Let's let's look at the overall picks that the Jets have. They have number four, number ten in the first round, number thirty-eight, number thirty-five in the second round, and number yep. sixty-nine in the third round, which yep. is what leads me to believe that they are not going to draft a wide receiver at number ten overall. I think they're going to draft Kyle Hamilton, safety out of Notre Dame. Uh, the Jets are a team that has really benefited from top-end safety play. They've had Jamal Adams and Marcus May in town over the last number of years, and they both provided some really solid defensive snaps for them um, playing for or now the Jets are playing for Robert Sala defensive uh, minded head coach from the 49ers and the Jets are in a really good spot to take a wide receiver later in the draft with 35 and 38 overall that's Sky Moore range um, Christian Watson if they like him that's probably where you're gonna have to take him if you like him uh, George Pickens even if they like him they could take him there, or if um, if we believe the reports, they could take him with number 69 overall in the third round. Um, Jahan Dotson could be around in the second round. Jahan, oh, yes, Jahan Dotson. He absolutely could be there in the second round. Um, I think there are, are a lot of options, and when there's a blue-chip player available uh, like Kyle Hamilton, I think you have to you know kind of turn to the tier-based drafting system and say the best player available is Kyle Hamilton. We are set up in a pretty good position to take a wide receiver, which is a strong area of need later in the draft. I totally see it happening, or I totally see this as a possibility. I think Kyle Hampton is fantastic. I still think they're going to go wide receiver because I, I'm not enamored with those second-round names. Once Jahan Dodson's off the board, there's a real drop-off, and I really don't think that the, the Jets are going to risk it after the effort they put in to find a wide receiver one. I think they're just going to answer that. They have addressed, they have tackled that wide receiver position more than or tried to more than anything, any other position on that roster. They have Jordan Whitehead at free safety. Ashton Davis and, uh, and LaMarcus Joyner are capable strong safeties. But you're entirely right. Kyle Hamilton is a legitimate star, a near can't miss prospect. And, you know, for a team just looking for talent, it does make a lot of sense. I, I do see that as a real possibility. So this is less fighting. Than we thought. I, I thought it would be Riley. I think we're gonna you know. fight on this next one, though. Perhaps. Are we gonna fight on this next one? Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're gonna fight on this one. I'm gonna pull it up right here, and I'm gonna say that the Packers take a first round wide receiver. That wasn't the one I thought you were gonna read, but oh well. You know what? I <laughs> thought this one was just as wild because do you know the last time the Packers took a first round wide receiver? I'm just curious if you know that. Wasn't it like 2005 or something crazy? It's something like that. I'm I'm pretty embarrassing that I I can't find it right now. But uh, for for reference, I'll just say this because I know this by heart. Ted Thompson, the former uh, general manager before Brian Gutenheis, right now, over 13 years never took a wide receiver in the first round. So we are talking over a decade. We are we are talking years and years since this last happened, 
And I think this is it. I think trading Devontae Adams is the final straw. You cannot go into the year with a second-round wide receiver and Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyon. It cannot happen. They will take a guy at in the first round. I have them taking Traylon Burks currently. Again, I've adjusted my mock over the last week because I am just, you know, new news. I had more time. I dove into everything. Final version coming out tomorrow. Stay tuned. But I think that this is the year. This is the year they break the trend. Heist did come out and say that Aaron Rodgers will have a say in all these decisions in some, you know, one way or another before they're in the building and after they're in the, bu- in the building. And I have to imagine deep down that Aaron Rodgers was promised this before, you know, when he was going to sign that extension. So I'm, I'm, I, I guess you're not going to fight me on this, Riley, but I'm curious. What, what do you got for me? I have them taking Chris Olave currently, which I've done plenty of, of uh, tinkering on, on this mock draft as well. And for all the same reasons, I mean, Aaron Rodgers was this close to leaving that team because he didn't like how they were building the rest of the team. So I think it's, it, it can't, it, it can't happen that they, they let Aaron Rodgers, the back-to-back MVP, the guy they just signed to a super mega Nova extension and let him play with Alan Lazard, uh, Robert Tunyon, who are the returners, Sammy Watkins, who has severely flamed out and Amari Rodgers, who he, was barely on the field when he was a rookie. There's I no, went back it out, outside of Lazard, who has been on the team for a few years, and he played a couple of good games last year. Robert Tunyon, who had that good season, did not play very much at all last year. So they're now two. They'll be two years removed from that connection. There's there's just no chemistry on that field whatsoever, and that is a waste of Aaron Rodgers. I went back and I found the year. It, they have not taken a first-round wide receiver since Javon Walker in 2002. It has oh, been 20. It has been 20 years since the Packers have invested in a first-round wide receiver. That streak breaks tomorrow night on day one. I'm very confident about that. And if not, whatever. I get to laugh because it'll be a freaking joke, and I'm sure Aaron Rodgers will retire as well. So, do you want to get to the one we, where we fight? Uh, I I think we I'll I'll fight you on your third one. I think you're gonna fight me on my third one. Yeah. Um. So, all right. Let, here's here's one of my bold takes. I I, I skip I skip past your number two, didn't I? Yes, you did. <laughs> go for it. Go. Awesome. Give me your number two. My number two is that I think there will only be third three quarterbacks taken in the first round. I have let's let's go let's go back and take a look. I have Malik Willis going to the Panthers at number six. That's barring any trade down. I'm not going to try to predict trades. That's just insane. Um, I have the Saints taking Kenny Pickett at number 16 overall, and the Lions taking Desmond Ritter at 32. So Matt Corral, um, not a first-round pick. Um, that's He's kind of been a popular guy to get drafted in the first round. And a while ago I said, we can get cute with our mock drafts, and we can say, oh, the, the quarterbacks aren't very good this year. No matter what, uh, the quarterbacks will be drafted high just because that's how the position is. But Going through the mock draft and seeing uh, a lot of the other players on the board, this is another strong wide receiver year where I think I have five or six wide receivers going in the first round. It's a top-heavy edge group. I have four edge rushers going in the first eight picks. And it's it, it, it's tough, especially with the quarterback castle having Car- – castle, I said castle. Quarterback carousel having slowed down. A lot of teams have found their quarterbacks, right? They're like, what are the teams that are still – 
in the market for a quarterback. I mean, the Saints, the Panthers, the Lions aren't really in the market for a quarterback. They can take one if they like it. Uh, the Steelers could take a quarterback, but Seahawks. The Seahawks could take one, but all of those other Saints. teams have a lot of needs that they could address anyway, especially with um, you know what they're projected to do. Like I fully expect the Saints to trade up because they have two first round picks. They could take an offensive tackle if they really like Garrett Wilson. Maybe they'll trade up uh, a few spots for him. Maybe they'll trade up for Jameson Williams if they project that he goes off the, the round that off the board that early. I, I don't have that feeling about the quarterbacks this year. And I'm I'm just going to bring up my third bold take, and I'm going to stay at the top of yours because we're in the same vein here, where I think that I have four quarterbacks going in the first round. You have three, and I think that'll be the same number of wide receivers, which is wild given how people are touting this wide receiver group compared to the quarterback group. I think that it's a very small chance. I view the Panthers and Lions as near locks to take one at six and 32. Those, I feel very confident that those picks are going to go quarterback given the Panthers lack of draft picks. They're complete sick of I'm done with Sam Darnold attitude. And given the Lions ability to get a fifth year option at 32, I think those are locks. So then of the two other spots that need to be going in, Teams reach on quarterbacks. That happens. I think you said you said earlier in the offseason, you acknowledge that. And I think that's still true now. And I think now that we're through the process, guys have found people that they want between the Seahawks, the Steelers, the Saints, the I, I, I'm blanking on teams off the top of my head. We just named them. But like there's a lot of teams that can get a quarterback and all those teams do have other needs. But no team that needs a quarterback is ever you know needless. Like they have, they always have other positions to fill. The Texans, even, you know, they could trade up or something or take one at 13. But I, I, I don't know. I, I, I disagree. I think they will. I think there's going to be four quarterbacks going off the board. I view the Steelers as maybe unfortunately, maybe not as a lock to take a quarterback at 20. Uh, not as much as Detroit and the Panthers, but I, 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 I don't know. I think quarterbacks are going to go as they normally go. All right, that's interesting. Interesting you say that. Um, let's let's go to bold take number three, huh? Why don't we? Because I I think you're gonna fight me on this one. Yeah, well, I I, I gave you I I I already gave my third one in conjunction with yours. So please, please. Um, we're gonna talk about Jordan Davis from uh, let's the talk about Jordan Davis from Georgia. I have him falling to the Bills at number twenty five in this mock draft. I a lot of the people the mock drafts that I've seen have him going to the Ravens at fourteen overall, which is a good spot for him. Um, it, I, I can't get it out of my head that defensive tackle has become somewhat of a devalued position uh, in, in the draft in the last couple of years. Um, Christian Barmore fell for other reasons. He had some uh, character issues coming into the draft, but uh, he got drafted by the Patriots in the second round and he was really good for them. Uh, he had like the second most pressures for any rookie in the NFL uh, last season. So based, based on that fact, regardless of what Christian Barmore was able to do last year, I don't see, especially um, how this draft is going to end up falling, I think, with wide receivers, tackles, and edge rushers, you know, kind of ruling the first 20 picks. I think it'll be hard for uh, Jordan Davis to sneak in there. Regardless, even though he had a really good um, combine, he had, you know, freakish numbers. I get that. But it's based on how I think the board will fall and where the talent is coming from in terms of position this year. I don't see him in the top 25. Or I see him going at 25. And I think you'd be—I'd be very surprised if he slips outside of the top twenty because 
every reason you just said, yeah, devalue position because you got to do something different. Jordan Davis is different. Like there's, there's definitely concerns. You know, if you put him on every down basis, can that athleticism still work? He never exceeded two and a half sacks in a year. What's who's to say he's going to do that on the next level? He also, you know, there's just, there are a lot of, you know, concerns. He wasn't talked about as this top 20 pick before the combine. So obviously production didn't match that, but the team that's going to, there are teams that will take a shot on this. There will, there are teams that will take a shot on a 341 pound defensive tackle running a four, seven, eight, which is in a hundredth percentile speed score. That's I'm not making that up. That is, that is in the hundredth percentile as a speed score. Someone's going to take a chance on it earlier. People take a chance on the raw athletic potential way earlier than we always think. And I personally think that's going to be Howie Roseman at 18. I think the Eagles will do it. They know the value of an elite defensive tackle and the Eagles could use the help. So I think there's a lot of teams that are just, you know, you, they shoot for upside. It happens every year. I think Jordan Davis is the pinnacle example of that. And and that's, that's all true. And it's it, the way that, you know, defenses are played today. Defensive tackles are important for, you know, kind of forcing some of these, you know, more stagnant pass, uh, you know, pocket passers outside the pocket. Um, and, and that's, that's all well and good. Um, that this is more of an indictment of not an indictment, but a commentary on where the talent is coming from. The fact that I have, I think it's like five wide receivers going in the top 20 ending with, you know, Traylon Burks is in the top 20. I think, yeah, that makes five. And then Chris Olave going not too far behind him. Yeah, and I only have four in the first round, so I guess that's where, where the discrepancy is. I think that you know it's it's there's not many defensive tackle, excuse me, not many defensive tackles that can do what Jordan Davis can you know has the potential of. It's just ceiling. NFL teams draft for ceiling all the time, and elite defensive tackles do make differences on the field. Whether he's going to hit that, that's not my point. It's just what NFL GMs are going to perceive him as. And they're going to perceive him as a unicorn. Sports teams love unicorns, man. That's my quote, and leave it on a t-shirt. And if that is not a perfect line to end it off on, honestly, unless you have a final point, because I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, no, I, I, no, I wouldn't dare. Please. Okay. Run. Well, fantastic, because that's our show. That is a fantastic show, Riley. I think you did a great job, even with your hat backwards. I did. I did. So. Thank you, everyone, for staying with us. Again, I want to give a shout-out to both For Frequency's sake and IDP, guys, for hosting us on this, putting our content out there. Tomorrow, again, live shows for both For Frequency's sake and IDP, guys. I will be hosting the latter on YouTube, on Facebook, on multiple different platforms. I believe it's up to 8 or 9 or 10. It's crazy. Through Club Fantasy, awesome rotating guest host, awesome guy Joe Zolo is going to be hosting with me. It's going to be a gas, you know. I think that's the terminology the kids are using nowadays. Mm-hmm. So I so I, I, I definitely encourage everyone to check it out. And given that you have two amazing options, I would just set simply set up a monitor on your left, a monitor on your right, have the TV in the middle, just full blast, you know, just AirPod in each ear. Couldn't go better. So that will be our show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. You can follow me at Michael underscore underscore Sicoli on Twitter. Follow Riley at Riley underscore Millette. Obviously, you can check out for Frequency Sake and IDP guys at FFSQC and at IDP guys. 
check it out. The draft is tomorrow. We're excited. We'll be back next week to give our draft reactions. I'll see you guys tomorrow. No need to wait for next week. Have a good night, everybody.